Are you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. I am excited to be back here with you again. This is one of the favorite things that I do every week is coming on this show, trying to present and and introduce you to principles that will help you to take control of your life so that your hands are squarely on the wheel and you can drive it wherever you want it to go. There are some principles that will help you to do that in your life, and we're all about bringing those to you. So I'm glad that you're back with us here for Live On Purpose. I'm excited today to have another guest, a fantastic guest on the show with us. I want to do just a little bit of introduction to uh, to let you know who's with us here today and Live On Purpose. His name is Mark Sanborn. And Mark is is the president of Sanborn and Associates. This is an idea studio. I really like that idea, uh, which is dedicated to developing leaders in business and in life. Mark is a, a highly sought after public speaker. He's an international best-selling author. He is one of the the nation's leading authorities on leadership, team building, customer service, all kinds of great stuff to help people to live on purpose. And I am honored and excited to have Mark as my guest on the show today. Mark, are you with us? Well, hello, Dr. Paul. It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, thank you for being here, Mark. I've, I'm, I want to give our listeners just a little bit of an introduction to how I even got connected with you. Do you mind if we do that first? That'd be great. Go ahead. And then I'm going to turn it over to you and let you run with some really great stuff. I, was, I came home from the office one day. I was just minding my own business. My my fifth grade daughter, Lindy, who is attending an accelerated learning lab here in, in Utah County where where we live, came up to me and she said, Dad, have you ever heard of the Fred factor? And I said, well, no, honey, I've not heard of that. What is that? She said, well, it's this book that my teacher had, and she read to us some parts out of that, and it's just exactly the stuff that you teach people. And I thought... Well, that's interesting, honey. And and that's kind of where it ended. Well, she came home a couple of days later and she said, Dad, have you read The Fred Factor yet? And I hadn't. Um, she pulls it out of her backpack. And she says, here, read it. You're a speed reader. You could probably read it really fast. <laughs> and so she hands me this little book called The Fred Factor. And this is the first introduction I'd ever had to you. Mark. Well, I, I think uh, I should try to hire Lindy away from you there, even though she's uh, still in school. It sounds like she'd be a great uh, agent for me. <laughs> well, she really would. You know, she she recognized immediately that this story and this concept is something that I personally resonate to, and it's something that I teach in my coaching and in this program. 
and in the things that I'm trying to do with people. So she gave me the book, and I read through it, and I immediately connected with the message. It's just, it's right along the lines of the best stuff that I've been exposed to, and it's a very simple concept, and I'll let you talk a little bit about the story here in just a second. Sure. But uh, it got me excited about sharing this message with other people, and I I sent out a little uh, email message. I, uh, I think you're aware now, Mark, that I... I do a weekly email, uh, which I also post as a blog, uh, called Empower, Harnessing the Power of the Mind. And it's just about helping people to stay in a mindset of success and prosperity. And uh, somehow you got connected to the blog site and you commented on, on the message that I left there. Well, long story short, we decided to do this show today. Well, God works in mysterious ways, and it was it was fortuitous. And as I become familiar with your work, you know, we we have uh, much in common in terms of our objectives. But certainly, as communicators, uh, we both know that stories are powerful. Not when they're my story or your story, but when they're all of our stories. You know, the Fred factor is a story about an ordinary postal carrier who took what could be a very redundant and dead-end job and, and did it in an extraordinary way. And if your listeners are interested in, in the full story, they can download it for free at fredfactor.com just as a resource for them to uh, refer to when the podcast is over. And that's excellent, fredfactor.com. And I, I've been to that website, Mark. I've looked around on it a little bit, and it's a great introduction to this concept. The short version is that that you had an association with a U.S. postal carrier. This is your mailman, basically. Correct. Who was doing an ordinary job in an extraordinary way. He brought his own signature, his own fingerprint, if you will, to that job and started to create value for people in a pretty fantastic way. Well, and, and you know, one of the things that I'd like to emphasize with, with your listeners and with my audience is is that a lot of people go through life thinking they'll be happy when they get a different job. And sometimes that's true. Sometimes people do need to change jobs or change employers. But more often than not, the secret to being more fulfilled and to living on purpose is to begin not by getting a different job, but by doing the job that you have differently. And that's what the book is about. And I think the reason it's powerful isn't because necessarily I'm, I'm the best writer or, or you know, that, that Fred is a... Um, you know, a postal carrier. It's just that if I had written a book about Warren Buffett or Bill Gates, it would be easy to say, well, that doesn't apply to me. I don't have their money. I don't have their resources. I can never be that. But we're all ordinary people, and our work, regardless of what our jobs might be, can be ordinary or extraordinary depending on how we choose to do them. And I think people really resonate with Fred because he has what could be a very monotonous, redundant job, putting mail in a box every day. And frankly, if Fred can bring artistry to his work, then there's no reason why you and I can as well. So, Mark, it's really not about how glamorous your job is. It's really not about what kind of status your job might hold out there in the world. It's all about how you're going to do it and what it is that you bring to the job. Well, you know, I think that uh, with the elections upon us, we hear a lot of politicians and candidates talking about how work gives people dignity, and certainly I would never disagree with that. I, I think that for anyone to have the opportunity to engage in meaningful work is, is an important thing. However, 
I've never heard a politician uh, ever say the corollary, which is that not only does work give people dignity, but people give work dignity. And and B.C. Forbes, and I quote this in the book, uh, and you'll be familiar, I think, with it, Paul. B.C. Forbes said there's more satisfaction in being a first-rate truck driver than a 10th-rate executive. Mm. And certainly, while some jobs may have the potential for glamour, although, frankly, I've known a lot of famous and very wealthy people, and I can tell you that we all face our daily challenges. The the specifics change, but but we're all challenged day to day, regardless of whatever work we have. Uh, The reality is is that nobody can prevent us from choosing to be extraordinary. So the, uh, the extraordinary is something we bring to the job. It's not something that's inherent in the job. That's right which should be a liberating message for a lot of people who are feeling stuck out there. Well, it, it is, except for the people who are excuse makers. Every once in a while, I'll get some critic who'll say, oh, you know, I'm just a shill for corporate America. I'm trying to get people to work harder and not get paid for it. And, and that's about the silliest thing I've heard. I haven't had a job in corporate America for over 20 years. I've had my own business. And although corporate America is a client, uh, you know, I work with them, not for them. And the mm-hmm. reason I wrote the book wasn't to benefit corporate America. It was to benefit the individual who said, you know, I don't want to sleepwalk through life. I want to make a positive difference. I want to make money. Everybody's got to pay their mortgage. Everyone's got to put food on the table, put the kids through school. But I, I wrote the book for somebody that wanted to do more than make money. They wanted to make meaning in their life as well. They wanted to come home at the end of the day and say, you know what? I, I made a positive difference. I contributed in a way that was valued by others, and I feel good about what I do. Mm-hmm. And that's a choice. That's a choice that doesn't depend on your circumstances. You know, um, Mark, I was noticing on your blog you had written something recently about the weather. And uh, I was wondering if you would comment about that. You remember the, the post that I'm talking about? Yes, I, I do. We, we're going to living in Denver, Colorado. We, uh, this time of year, have spring and winter weather often the very same day. And, you know, it's easy to forget not just about the fluctuations that occur in the weather, but it's, it's sometimes easy to kind of glom onto the bad weather and to kind of get stuck in that rut. So even when the sun comes back out, you're still in kind of a, an overcast and cold day. And mm-hmm. I think that our lives, you know, are very similar in that, you know, we have all kinds of weather, and a lot of it, frankly, we don't control. I've never been a believer that we control everything that happens to us. I think sometimes things happen, and the best we can hope for is, as you know, uh, is, is how we respond to those things, that we choose to respond as, as victors rather than victims. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that we also have to pick what we will make kind of the normal part of our our, our life's weather, you know, whether we mm-hmm. benchmark and say, you know, the bad weather is the normal part, or we say the good weather is the normal part, and the bad weather is simply an anomaly, uh, an- anomaly, anomaly, or an anomaly. Yeah, I'm sure. not even sure if that's a word. And so I, I think that the lessons are that nature and, and life kind of parallel, and uh, how we how we look at things, our perspective doesn't change the thing; it changes our reaction, our response to that thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that we can always control. Exactly. So regardless of the weather, you do have some control over the prevailing climate or the way that this plays out in your life on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and you know, one of the things I learned from living in Colorado, and this is going to sound odd to some of your listeners, but I moved here from Philadelphia. I'm not originally from there, but I lived there for almost four years. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
we have, according to everything I've read, the second most days of sunshine of any city in the United States, except for San Diego. And, oh. of course, our ambient temperature, if you throw in the winter months, is going to be cooler. But, but we have a lot of sunshine. And, you know, it actually dawned on me after living here for a while that I kind of miss the rainy days sometimes. Oh. Uh, because, you know, on a rainy, cold day, you really are able to hunker down at work and focus and not say, wow, I wish I was outside playing baseball or riding my bike. Yeah. And it dawned on me that even bad weather we don't often appreciate until we don't get it anymore. <laughs> Well, let's pick that up right after this next commercial. Stick. This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com. Morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life forever. It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format fully illustrated with very fun hidden messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great, these titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. This is Dr. Paul. You've heard me talk about a lot of things on this show, and I've interviewed some pretty amazing guests. I love what I do, and one of the nearest things to my heart is my role as a husband and father. I've worked a lot with others who place a strong emphasis on family and I feel this is my primary purpose to help others save and enrich their key relationships. It's in this spirit that I invite you parents to join me for a free weekly dose of parental power. Register for this free teleconference at drpaul.org or send me an email at drpaul at creationtreecoaching.com you will receive an email with the call-in number and access code. The calls are live every Tuesday morning from 11.30 to 12 o'clock Mountain Time. I'd love to be part of your parenting team. back with Live on Purpose. My guest today is Mark Sanborn, who is the author of The Fred Factor, and we were having a little discussion, just kind of uh, abruptly came into our commercial, Mark, as you were sharing some things about the weather and how, as you've moved to Colorado from uh, Philadelphia, was it? Yes. That uh, there are times when you actually miss some of the, quote, bad weather. Which, of course, raises an interesting philosophical question about what's bad weather you know uh, yes very often it's um, you know if, if you don't like the hot then cold is good weather if you don't like the cold then warm is is good weather mm -hmm. and again it goes back to perspective the reality is if uh, if we only live life at the top of the mountain we never know what the valleys were like the valleys exist to provide a contrast to kind of help us identify you know what those peak experiences are 
there, there's a great line mm-hmm. in the movie Heather's that said, if, if you were happy, nobody's happy all the time. If you were happy all the time, you'd be a game show host. <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of people suffer under the illusion that life is about being a game show host, about being happy all the time. And, you know, Aristotle, and I, the older I get, the more uh, I've studied Aristotle. Aristotle was one of the earliest writers philosophically about happiness. And the, the word that we now define as happiness was defined very differently uh, in Aristotle's day. Uh, the word he used was eudaimonia. And eudaimonia meant a happiness based on living a life worth living. It wasn't about just feeling good all the time or amusement or entertainment or recreation. It was about living a life that really matters. But what happened in the intervening couple thousand years is that we have kind of morphed happiness into an emotional state or a feeling that very often we try to separate from our, our actions, our choices, and our behaviors. So in a way, we've kind of corrupted what is happiness, and uh, we've, we've taken the focus off living a life of integrity, a life worth living, and placed it on living a life of pleasure and hedonism. Mm. You know, as you were talking about that, I was thinking of a client that I met with just, uh, just earlier today who was feeling guilty. Uh, she was actually feeling, you know, this, this guilt for having some sadness or some discontent that was cropping up in her life. And we got into this discussion about how how a full life that is lived on purpose includes a, a wide range of emotions. And happiness is not just about, you know, experiencing the pleasure or the hedonism. It, it's about having this full, rich experience. Well, you, you know in your line of work better than I do, although I've, I've spent a fair amount of time studying the human nature that a lot of neuroses in our culture today are born out of people who have never grieved appropriately, who have refused or resisted dealing with the sadness in a legitimate way. And when you don't uh, don't address it legitimately, it turns into all sorts of addictions and neuroses. Mm -hmm. That's true. And the way we interpret our experience has everything to do with what kind of what kind of emotional reaction we're going to have to it. Churchill was once told by his wife during a very difficult time that what he was experiencing was just a blessing in disguise, and he said, well, it must be very well disguised then. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, some days you have to look a little harder. Uh, and and the reality is, and I don't want to go too far afield, but I, I think, you know, it's worth mentioning, is the reality is we, we won't always know why things happen. I think right. there's another tendency in our culture to want to have answers for everything, and and the most interesting part of life is usually in the mystery, not in the finality. And so, you know, I think sometimes we can actually try to make too much meaning. You know, we sometimes try to infuse meaning in an area where we're doing nothing more than speculating. I have become much more fond of questions and less fond of answers, as I find that that, that really is what inspires me to keep searching and to, to create meaning in my life. And we have the power to do that. We have the power to take the stuff that life hands us and to create some meaning from that. And it doesn't have to be some kind of a prefab meaning. You know, you create that as you go based on, on your own understanding. Of yeah, what... it doesn't have to be glib or, 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 mm-hmm. or cliche-ish. I, I say that leaders are those that don't necessarily know the right answers, but they ask the best questions. Yeah, and inspire others to do the same. 
Well, Mark, I want to get back to this book, this, uh, this gem that you've created. This has become an international bestseller. And I don't know if you expected that or intended that when you set out. <laughs> I think, you know, you... you we pro- all fantasize that we might write a best-selling book, but we we never are quite sure that'll ever happen. Well, it's kind of cool when you do. I've had a couple of uh, best-selling authors on this show with me, and it's been interesting to hear their experience. Usually, the most powerful stuff has to do with these simple stories that people can relate to, like you were saying with Fred. Uh, anybody can relate to this guy. He's not the silver platter, silver spoon, you know, rich kid. He's a normal person that anybody can relate to who has discovered some of the secrets to to living life on purpose, is the way I like to say it. You have identified in the book what some of these primary principles are. The first one that uh, that really caught my attention is that everyone makes a difference. And the thing that uh, that has stuck with me from what you wrote in your book and from what I've thought about is that you can't not make a difference. I know that's double negative. Sure. Well, uh, the reality is our culture, most of us grew up in a culture that told us we could make a difference. When I say to audiences, you know, the first principle is everybody makes a difference, they think they've heard that before. Mm-hmm. But when they really stop to think about it, mostly what we were told, whether it was in school or on a sports team, is that we can make a difference as if you can choose to make a difference or choose not to. And the point that I make is that from a very practical standpoint, uh, there's no such thing as neutral. Uh, you're, either, you're either making a positive difference or you're making a negative difference by default. And, of course, the critic says, well, well, how can that be? You know, when you meet somebody in the marketplace of human affairs who refuses to engage you or to uh, be interested or to, uh, you know, uh, get involved with you, you don't say to yourself, oh, they're just neutral. You think mm-hmm. they're indifferent. And right or wrong, we interpret indifference or, excuse me, we interpret neutrality, you know, those people who are neither engaged nor disengaged, we interpret that as indifference. So at a practical mm-hmm. standpoint, people that are think, thinking they're neutral, the people they live and work with aren't getting that message. They're getting a different no. message. And so you kind of kind of live with a, a certain intentionality that says, you know, everything we do has impact, and you don't have to become paranoid, and you don't have to, you know, guard every word and, and choice you make. But you need to just pay attention to the fact that, uh, you know, a good example in our culture today, uh, yesterday at an intersection, uh, you know, the the turn lane green light ended, and I counted to three, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, and people were coming through on a red light in front of myself and the other lane of traffic. And you say, well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, here's what that says. It says, my life and my schedule is more important than your safety. I'm in a hurry to get to a tennis match. I'm in a hurry to get to a meeting. I'm in a hurry to get home. And you know what? People don't frame it that way. These are the people who are, you know, that aren't thinking in terms of making a difference. All they're thinking is, is screw it, I'm going to go through the red light because I can. But mm-hmm. that kind of self-absorption, when you multiply it times 260 million people in a country, I think that quickly becomes one of our, our, our greatest national challenges, and that is to get people to quit thinking that the center of the universe is the navel. Mm-hmm. That's right. This this awareness that you're talking about, start paying attention to the fact that you are having an impact and learn to appreciate the impact that you're having. And I agree with you, Mark. I don't think that neutrality is really going to happen. 
I think that the forces of, of nature themselves uh, will say that things will not remain static. They're going to be in a constant state of flux. You, you look at your life, for example. I want to invite all of our listeners to just to consider this. Is it even possible that your life will be exactly the same as it is right now, three years from now? And it's not even possible. There are physical things that are happening all the time that will determine that your life will be different. So if it's going to be different, let's become more intentional also about how it's going to be different. And that's one of the things I've appreciated about your story, Mark, because you're going to have a different, you're going to make a difference. You're going to have an impact on people. Figure out what kind you want to have and start being aware of that and doing it on purpose. Well, and you know, you've had Kirk Weasler on your show, and 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 Kirk is a, a good example of that. Yes. Uh, you know, a guy that just he's he's one of those effervescent personalities that you always feel good when you're around. You know, because he's other focused; he's not self focused. Now, the reality is, is people who are other self focused live very full lives because it comes back to them in spades. You know, we respond to those people, we appreciate those people, we we want to return the the kindness that they show us, but. It goes back to something that's used frequently by speakers and authors, but certainly it's still true, and that is, you know, you either live life by design or by default. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not choosing how you live your life, then circumstance and others are choosing. Uh, I, I collect old books, and I have an old book that's almost 100 years old, and it's, uh, it's, uh, the book is called The Conqueror, and it's about the fact that there were, according to this author, two types of people, the commanded and the conquering, you know, and... Most of us go through life commanded by circumstance and others, but some people choose to step up and say, I'm going to take control of my thought process. I'm going to take as much control of my life as I can to create or live by design the kind of life that I want to live. Understanding that the best way to get what you want in life is to help others to get what they want in life. I think that's one of the keys to success. That's one of the points that you make in this book, too to continually create value for others and to look for ways to lift and enrich and enhance and improve the quality of life for other people. That's what it's all about. And I think that's the crux of business also. Well, and, and you know, the second principle, because that you're right, that creating value in, is, is, is a principle in the book. But the, the second principle that I put ahead of that is everything's built on relationship. Um, I just met with a client yesterday who's in the uh, telecommunications business and and I said, you know, who are your competitors? And they said, well, nobody really, because we actually sell bandwidth to our competitors, and they resell it. And and what we sell is a totally, a completely commoditized product. And then we went on to agree that the differentiator in the telecom business is, is the relationship. It's the service you receive. You don't mm-hmm. quit a company because you don't like their bandwidth, and you say you quit because whether it was Earthlink or Comcast or fill-in-the-blank, you didn't like the way they treated you. The so relationship right. is primary both at a personal level and at an organizational level. We're going to develop this even further as we come back from this, this break. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. 
This week's idea comes from a science professor in Germany who believes he can solve a global problem, snoring. Yes, snoring is a topic that causes millions to cringe. What would happen to the world if a solution was presented that could stop snoring? German scientist Darius Bazargani has invented a pillow that reduces the impact snoring has on others in the home. So before you smack your bed partner one more time, listen to this. The pillow has many air chambers and a computer that can cause the air chambers to reduce or enlarge. The computer also can detect the sounds of snoring. So if the computer detects any unwanted snoring sounds, it moves the person's head until it finds a position that stops the snoring. The computerized pillow is actually a simple product. But the results are music to the ears of many. Professor Bazargani had this idea after attempting several products to stop his own snoring. Now he is on a mission to provide peace in the sounds of the night. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. I've got a great idea. If the pile of books you want to read is growing faster than the pile you have read, then Abundant Reading Systems can help you. After taking Abundant Reading Systems course, I dramatically increased my ability to expand my knowledge in a much more efficient way. My fastest test today was in the 7,000 words per minute. I highly recommend this program from what I've seen it do for other people who've been through the entire program and from what I've seen in myself today. I've teamed up with Abundant Reading Systems to offer a single day intensive speed reading workshop that will at least double your reading speed, guaranteed. This belief started to grow inside of me that I thought, you know, I can really do this. I can read, you know, as fast as I let myself read and uh, ended up doubling my time, my speed reading time, which was really good. This is David Hinton, founder of Abundant Reading Systems. I want to personally invite you to join us for our next event. Visit AbundantReadingSystems.com now. Abundant Reading Systems, reading at the speed of imagination. So just before the break, we were, we were developing an idea here that I think is just powerful. If people would understand these two points that, that Mark, you were making in your book, The Fred Factor, one of them is that success is built on relationships. It's all about being connected to people and then continually creating value for others. This is really the key. To success. Well, you, you and I both know relationships typically end because of disequilibrium, and that is one partner feels he or she has been given less than they put into the relationship. By the way, that doesn't just apply to husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends. It provide it applies to vendors and suppliers, customers and and retailers. And, and so, 
if you want to maintain, and, and I'm speaking now not just about a happy interpersonal relationship, but if you want to maintain a relationship in life with your customer, if you want to really create loyalty, it's critically important that you continually be adding value to the relationship, that it not become stagnant. And the way that you do that is that third principle that we had alluded to before the break that says you can add value to everything you do and it doesn't necessarily have to cost a nickel. And that's one of my favorite uh, principles in the book because Fred, you know, he has a kind of a funky blue uniform in a bag, but that's pretty much it. He, he doesn't have any other resources. He uses his brain, his creativity, not capital, to create value for the customers on his route. That's, that's something that I've also um, really appreciated a little, a short little slideshow video thing that came out. It ended up in my email box a while back called Johnny the Bagger. Oh, yeah, that's from Barbara Glanz. And uh, Successories does that, I think, or Mac Anderson. I think, yeah, Mac Anderson and Simple Truths. Yes. Uh, another great example of this kid who was working in a grocery store, and he's got the same apron that all of the others have, and he's got the same brown paper bags that he's putting their groceries in. But the way he chose to add value was by adding his own personality to it and using his brain to think up some way that he could add value to that experience for the customer. And his idea was, well, I'm going to put a little thought of the day in everybody's grocery bag. And before long, this grocery store had had a problem because everybody was lining up at this one checkout stand to get Johnny's thought for the day. And okay. like... And I would use, excuse me for interrupting, I would oh, use, ahead. you know, I'd mix a metaphor and say, you know, Johnny's a Fred, you know, or Fred's a Johnny, uh, because this is proof the truth is transferable. Uh, you know, it's that little extra that we remember. We, we uh, you know, we expect our, our groceries to be bagged. I mean, there's, there's no bragging rights in saying, yep, I put everything in the bag without breaking it. Mm -hmm. But you, you would think that some baggers, that they would define that as their ultimate goal, is just, you know, get the stuff in the bag so that people get it out to the car. But Johnny said, and, you know, and, and if I remember the story correctly, you know, Johnny's, uh, you know, not highly educated. He might even be, uh, you know, somewhat challenged in, in his educational level, but he still gets creative in finding a way to add value to the shopper's experience. And it's that word experience that I want to really hone in on here. I believe that that's, that's really what people are after. And I don't care what your business is. Your customers, your clients are really looking for an experience. And that's what they're purchasing for from you. And they will choose you over other people because of the experience that they have with you. Yeah, and I always say, you know, people don't buy a Rolex to tell time. They buy a Rolex to tell others. We don't, we don't go to Starbucks for a cup of coffee. We go to Starbucks get a caffeinated beverage that we can drink in an atmosphere where we can think or connect with friends or read the newspaper or have a snack. I mean, the great businesses of our time have recognized that the product or the service is a means to a bigger end, and that is the experience, you know, like delivering the mail. I've been receiving mail since I was probably, you know, four years old. That's right. But it wasn't until I met Fred that it became a truly extraordinary experience. Up until then, it was just kind of an expected and, you know, humdrum kind of uh, operational function. Mm -hmm. Mechanical. Yes. And it's people that change the mechanics into an experience. Yes, exactly. Well, it's because, 
you know, I, I love technology, and I sometimes uh, get in, you know, a little bit of hot water when I say to technology audiences, you know, there's something more powerful in technology, you know, and that's ingenuity. Mm. But there's even something more powerful than ingenuity, and that's ingenuity leveraged by good technology. That's right. You put the two together, and you've got a really powerful combination. Exactly. So is it your position, Mark, that anybody in any kind of a position, through using their own ingenuity, could find some way to add value to the experience that they're bringing to other people? Oh, yeah, unequivocally. Uh, I, you know, it's, if you wanted to play stump the speaker, uh, you, know, you could have people throw out jobs, but... Uh, I've actually had a fair number of those challenges. A great example, you know, we've all seen a traffic cop who isn't mean and surly and unhappy about the fact that they're directing traffic, but every once in a while you'll see one that's got a headset on or maybe is, you know, listening to an iPod. They maybe even have on a pair of white gloves. They're tooting their whistle, doing a little dance, swinging their arms. And and when you first see that, it makes you smile. Mm -hmm. You know, it's unexpected, and you say, yourself, well, wasn't that nice? You know, he or she kind of brightened up my day. I used to think that way until a, a radio talk show host pointed something out to me. He said, you know, maybe the, 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 the police officer's not doing that for us. Maybe they're doing it for themselves. They mm-hmm. just figure, if I've got to do traffic duty for the next two hours, why suffer? I'm going to make it enjoyable. And when you have fun, by and large, your customer has more fun, too. That, and that is the poetic justice to this whole thing because you can't help someone else without also helping yourself. Well, and I say there is a catch to that. If you go into it with an ulterior motive, and, and I mean, that's how I think we somehow short-circuit things, is we say, you know what, I'm going to do something nice for my spouse because I want him or her to do something nice for me. Good luck. I don't know what, what happens, and uh, I don't want to get too metaphysical, but it's when you do things because they're the right thing to do and you want to do them that you will benefit the most. If you do it as a quid pro quo, hey, I'm going to do something nice, and I sure as heck better get something nice done for me, trust me, it uh, more often than not doesn't work that way. I think that that, that carries some kind of an energy with it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the explanation is. I just have observed it in my own life and the life of others too many times to believe anything but that. Well, I had a I had a chat not too long ago on this show with Leslie Householder, and I don't know if you're familiar with Leslie Mark, but she wrote uh, a best-selling book called The Jackrabbit Factor. And Leslie was commenting that uh, you, as good of an actor as you are, you can't really hide. Uh, something that you're faking and you can walk into a room and everybody knows something's wrong and Leslie's comment was the dog knows something's wrong and it it just comes through and yet if you are it's like this traffic cop that you're talking about maybe he is out there doing it just because he wants to enjoy what he's doing he's going to live in the now and he's not going to put off uh having a good time until he's doing something different. He's just going to do it with what he's what he's got, what's on his plate right now. That energy is going to go out to other people also and cause them to have a little smile. You know, as you were saying that, I, I thought about just yesterday. I'm driving down the street, and I see one of those people who's dressed up as, 
I can't remember if it was the Statue of Liberty or Uncle Sam or something like that. It's one of these tax consultant places. Oh, yeah. And he's out there on the street. And I've seen these guys before out there holding the sign and looking like, you know, gosh, I look so ridiculous. I hate this job. Well, this guy wasn't like that. He had a guitar and he was singing and playing and just having a good time. And that drew my attention to him, but it left a very different feeling with me than what I've experienced in the past when I've saw the, seen those guys and I've thought, oh, what a miserable job that is. He, well, just proof that isn't the work that just gives people meaning, but people give the work meaning too. That's absolutely true. Well, you've... Uh, You've wrapped this together with a, with a fourth principle. And this one is interesting. You, you say to reinvent yourself regularly. What do you mean well, by that? Well, we, you know, we wake up every morning tabula rasa. I mean, one of the great things about being human is, is we're not locked into some kind of perpetual instinctive behavior. We get to choose. Now, you know, when we quit choosing, uh, you know, we become a little less human and we certainly give up our ability to live life by design. But what I'm saying is when you look in the mirror in the morning, you know, you need to remember a simple three-word question, and that is replicate or innovate. Am I going to do everything the way I did it yesterday and the day before and the week before and the month before? Or am I going to try something different today? And the reason that you might want to try something different is, is that when you do something different, it sets into effect uh, a ripple effect that changes little and sometimes big things in your life. If you're listening to this going, you know, I never thought about that adding value stuff or about how I do make a difference and, you know, the only question at the end of the day is what kind of difference I make. If all you do is think about that tomorrow morning, nothing's going to be different. Maybe, you know, the, the neurons and the synapses in your brain will be slightly differently rearranged, but your life's going to be the same. It's when you do something with that information. It, it's not the knowing, it's the applying. And that's why I say that, you know, the difference between excellence and mediocrity is almost always the difference between common knowledge and consistent application. So the fourth principle is really where the rubber, to use an overused cliche, the rubber hits the road or meets the road, and that's about what are you doing to change your life? Because this, this saying I heard 20 years ago, I thought it was corny then, and now I think it's profound, is, you know, the only difference between a rut and a grave is distance and depth. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and somebody else put it differently. They said, uh, you know, I, I know somebody, they died at 38, but they're still upright at 65. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they're sleepwalking. They, they stopped living at 38. They didn't physically, biologically die and get put in the ground. What they did was is they just quit living, decided to spend the rest of their time just going through the motions, doing it the way they'd always done it. So reinventing your life has to do with deciding now whether you're going to do something different or continue to repeat the past patterns. Exactly. I, I see so many people who are hoping and wishing for a better life, but not doing and declaring and, and changing what it is that they're up to. And yeah, that's hard, but there's ways to do that. I'm also thinking that as we look at our lives, the current circumstances that we see ourselves in are a manifestation or a result of our past thinking and behaviors. And whatever's going to happen will be a result of whatever it is we change about our current thinking and behaviors. Very true. We'll wrap this up in our next segment. Stick with us. This is Ross Kellen Moore of Creation Tree Coaching. 
And I've got two questions for you. Who are you? What do you want? You see, I've figured out that you and I can absolutely create anything that we really want. But to do that, we've got to be absolutely clear on who we really are and what we really want. So what do you want? More financial abundance? More fulfilling relationships? A higher level of health and fitness? How about finding your work that allows you to create massive value for others in the way that you love most? Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching. We are the world's premier provider of abundance, education, and resources. We are here to help you create the life you really love. Begin now at creationtreecoaching.com. Check out our live teleseminar classes and podcasts. Get to know our coaches and schedule a coaching session. Explore training for your business and employees. Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching and a whole new world that you create on purpose. Hi, this is Jason Adams, one of the co-founders of CashflowParadigm.com. We created Cashflow Paradigm as a way to help others look at money differently. What are your beliefs about money? Is it good or bad? Many people have beliefs that limit their control over money and don't even realize it. The thing most people don't realize is that their beliefs about money greatly affect the amount of money and prosperity they have. It's all about your paradigm. Come play a fun game with us called Cashflow 101 created by best-selling author Robert Kiyosaki. Come meet new people and check your paradigm as we learn principles that govern our personal and financial lives while having fun together. Currently, we are holding monthly game nights in Provo and St. George, Utah. Go to our website at www.cashflowparadigm.com to register for upcoming events. That's www.cashflowparadigm.com. If you live in the Utah County area, and if you like what you hear on this show, then this opportunity is for you. I am hosting a weekly mastermind group called Paradigm Insurance every Wednesday from 4 to 5.30 at my office in Orem. Call Eric at 801-226-7544 register. We prefer an abundant atmosphere, so please wipe your mind before entering. That number again, 801-226-7544. last segment of Live on Purpose Radio today. My guest today has been Mark Sanborn, who is an, an I was going to say national, but this is an international bestseller now, The Fred Factor, uh, international bestselling author of The Fred Factor. And Mark, it's been, it's been wonderful to have this discussion with you. We've talked about four basic principles that are involved in becoming a Fred. I'm thinking we ought to do a little recap of that, and then I'd like to to let our listeners know about some of the other things that you're up to because you've got some exciting things going on. You bet. Those four factors again. Well, number one, everybody makes a difference, and Fred is proof that it doesn't matter what you do or who you work for, you get to choose what kind of difference you make, whether mm-hmm. you make a positive or a negative difference, You know, whether you add to or take away from the experience of your colleagues and your customers. Uh, the second principle is it's all built on relationship. The ultimate differentiator of any product or service is the relationship we have with the people we create the experience for. 
and that's mm-hmm. why relationship building, even though it's challenging, is, is so important to success in any, any endeavor. Uh, number three, you can add value to everything you do. It doesn't have to necessarily cost a nickel. You know, your challenge is to outthink your problems, not outspend them. You know, if you don't have uh, deep pockets or a lot of financial resources, the good news is it will force you to become more creative in how you, how you create value and how you address problems than, than someone who could just buy their way out of the situation. Mm-hmm. And finally, number four, we get to do it all again each day. We get to reinvent uh, or ourselves uh, by innovating, trying something new. And the alternative, of course, is to replicate, do it the way we've always done it, process for ourselves and the people we live and work with to death. You know, we've got a little saying in the psychology industry that you've probably heard before, too, and that is that you can't, you can't keep doing the same things and expect a different outcome. No, that's the definition of insanity. That's exactly right. And yet, how often do we do that? You know, if I just try this again or again or again, you know, and, and I, I call it the slower and louder. It's like we, talk, we, we think that when we talk to someone who speaks a different language, if we speak our language slower and louder, they're going to understand. Of course, if they, if they don't know our language, it doesn't matter how slow or loud we speak it, they're not going to understand it. That's right. Well, that's a fantastic contribution, I think, to uh, helping people to get a little tuned in to a basic concept that's going to help them be more successful. We've We've applied this primarily to their job, their work, what they're doing. But this is so true in relationships. It's true in your own mental health. These are just some basic principles that are going to apply in any context across a wide variety of different situations. I'm sure you've had a lot of stories shared with you about how applying the principles from the Fred Factor have changed people's lives. Yeah, it's been gratifying to to get um, emails and notes and phone calls from people saying, "Let me, you know, I've tried this. Let me let me tell you what happened." And and there's been some really really neat things that have happened as a result. Well, thank you for sharing that with us today. I I became familiar very recently with some other things that you're up to. I know that you do a lot of leadership training and uh, speaking and inspiring people to, to take a different look at how, how leadership works. You've got a new book that's it's either recently come out or it's on its way out. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, my last book is called You Don't Need a Title to Be a Leader, How Anyone Anywhere Can Make a Positive Difference. And, and I wrote a book on leadership for people who either didn't have a title but wanted to make a bigger, better difference, or people that maybe did have a title but wanted to learn to lead better. You know, having a title is, is validation, but it doesn't confer leadership. If you're getting people to follow you because of your title, you're not really leading. You're creating compliance, not commitment. So I wanted to demystify and try to, as hopefully I did in the Fred Factor, make the concepts of leadership, which I've been involved with for over 20 years, leadership development and also as a practitioner, I wanted to make the concepts very simple, not simplistic, but simple and accessible to people who wanted to learn to lead or lead better. And that's, that's what that book is about. My new book coming out in September of 2008 is called The Encore Effect, How to Give a Remarkable Performance in Anything You Do. And that acknowledges the fact that we all have a stage, usually more than one stage in life. One stage is our work, one stage is our family, another stage might be our community, our church, our synagogue. 
and that how we perform on that stage is, is very important. And I looked at what makes for a great performance, the kind of performance that makes the audience want to bring you back for more. You know, if you've seen a great play or a great concert, when it's over and the curtain falls, people cheer and stand and clap and hold cigarette lighters over their heads until the encore, until the performers come back for a little more. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if we worked in such a way that our employer wouldn't let us go, that if we got a better offer, the employer would say, oh, whatever it takes, we're going to keep you. Or that our, our customer, if, if, if we, um, we, we behaved in such a way like Johnny the Bag Boy, that people lined up in our line, even though the other lines were empty, because they wanted more of us, not more of, of the generic. They wanted more of us. And so I, I looked at what are the principles in terms of remarkable performance that we can use in literally any area or avenue of our lives. Oh, I love that concept. You know, one thing that I have I have really come to believe and understand and know is that there is this untapped human treasury out there that inside of, of some what we might call ordinary people are extraordinary things just waiting to happen. And the thing that I love about the Fred factor and what you're talking about with you don't need a, a title to be a leader, uh, the encore, what was it? The, the encore, encore effect. Effect, the encore effect. Uh, looking forward to that one too. I have been so impressed when when I've seen some of these gems start to emerge from people as they start to gain the confidence that it's there and then they can bring it out and share it with others to create value in their lives. Had a fun experience with the family recently as we were um, uh, looking at a little video on YouTube. And this video is about Paul Potts. I don't know if you're familiar with Paul Potts, Mark. But I'm not. If you, if you go to YouTube and Google Paul Potts, or well, yeah, YouTube him. Uh, <laughs> he, he is the winner of a show called Britain's Got Talent. Oh. Yes. Now, it, before Britain's Got Talent, he defined himself as a cell phone salesman. He was a mobile phone salesman, okay, doing this ordinary job. And he has this remarkable talent. So you know who I'm talking about. Oh, I now. sure do, yeah. When I watched that video of him finally bringing his talent to the stage, it just sent chills up my spine. And it's hard to watch that without being emotionally touched. You know? Oh, I, I cried. I mean, you know, if, and I, I hope your listeners will Google him because he basically looks like kind of a, a, a slob. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't want to sound derogatory, but he's right. very unassuming, ordinary to the point of almost, you know, mm -hmm. just kind of borderline appearance. And what was so inspiring is, is that he proved us all wrong in thinking we could understand his talent, his potential, just by looking at him. That's right. And even the judges, you know, who are like rolling their eyes like, okay, let's get this over with. And the guy starts to sing, and by the time he's done, your, your eyes are welling up. First of all, I felt incredibly uh, guilty for thinking, you know, who's this chump? For having judged him. For having him. judged him, yeah. Exactly. And, and, but then, I, then you, you go from guilty to inspired by going, oh, wow, how, how does a person invest the hours and, and time to achieve that level of mastery? And, of course, you know, at, at its mm -hmm. very best, that's what this company...
concept of the encore is effective. It's about guys and gals like him. That's right. And bringing it out. You know, let's let's stop hiding that inside of us somewhere. I know that everyone within the sound of my voice right now who's listening to this podcast and everyone that you know that's within your influence has something inside of them that has this kind of a quality and this kind of a character to it. If we can identify what it is and have the guts to do something differently. I like what you said, um, Mark, about reinventing yourself. You know, Paul Potts could have got up that day and gone back to work at the mobile phone uh, place and and just kind of kept this to himself for however long he chose. And he did for a long time, apparently. Well, but you, you know, Dr. Paul, what, what also strikes me about him is, and, and it's a good kind of concluding point, is to understand that we can help people be more than they are if we see more in them than they see. Because, thankfully, Paul Potts didn't let his appearance or the judgment of others prevent him from being a world-class opera singer. And when we look at our kids and our colleagues and, and, our, and our customers, and even when we look at ourselves, we need to stop making superficial judgments and to look for the potential that lies within all of us. Mm. And let's make more Freds. You bet. That's another part of your book, too. Mark, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. For joining me on this show today. I want to, uh, just before we wrap up, have um, a way for for the listeners to get a hold of you or to see what else you're doing. You have a couple of websites. There's Mark Sanborn, spelled S-A-N-B-O-R-N.com. And I noticed you have... You have a products page there, kind of an online store where they can get connected with your books. Uh, of course, there's fredfactor.com. Uh-huh. And uh, are those the best ways for people to get connected with you? Yeah, if they want to read, and there's a lot of free resources, we try to make our websites content-rich. Those websites and also youdontneedatitle.com. If they're interested in any of the books, not only are they at our websites, but Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Borders, we have great distribution and I'm uh, less concerned with where people get the books than I am that they have a chance to access those ideas if they think they'll find uh, value and benefit from them. And my endorsement is that you will find value from these things, at least uh, from my reading of this. I have loved what you're doing, Mark. I think we're exactly on the right uh, course for helping people to really start to live their life on purpose. And that's what we're here for, is to help you to, to do those things Listeners, go out there, get connected with Mark Sanborn, uh, book The Fred Factor, and you don't need a title to be a leader. We will look with eagerness, Mark, towards your new book coming out about the encore effect. And uh, I just want to give our listeners a final nudge to go out there and, and get connected with what it is that you're doing. Well, Paul, thank you. It's been great to be with you. Keep up the great work and uh, enjoy the conversation today. Well, thank you, Mark. Everybody go out there and live on purpose. Spread the word to other people. We are growing. We are out there to, to make a difference in this world. So we just appreciate what you're doing. We'll catch you on our next show. <laughs>